Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. We are coming strong with this edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com because, gentlemen, we've got bowl eligibility to talk about. Woo-woo-woo. Bowls. Bowls. Longhorn fans, <laughs> don't be don't be ashamed of celebrating being bowl eligible. This is a good thing. I, Yo, I still see some people like, uh, well, why are we celebrating going to a bowl? No, be happy. You haven't yeah, been be to happy, a bowl man. in two years. It's not like you want to brag about it, but it's good. And I don't even know if it's 2014 right really direction. counted. But this counts. I agree. Texas is bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. With the win over West Virginia, 28-14, we're going to talk about that win. We'll talk about the post-Thanksgiving Day edition of the Texas Tech rivalry, the Black Friday edition of Texas like football. Black playing uh, Texas Tech on Thanksgiving, which will be uh, – it'll end the run of Texas home games on Thanksgiving. Thank you very much, Bob Bowlesby and the geniuses at the Big 12 Conference, <laughs> for scheduling a Black Friday game next year in Lawrence freaking Kansas. Ooh. Hey, he's the Michael Scott of conference commissioners. That guy. <laughs> I think you're giving him too much credit. Oh, him. <laughs> Makes him too likable, huh? <laughs> I would have gone Gomer Pyle, but, you know. Okay, there you go. That's so old school, though. That's old school. What uh, is the pulse of Longhorn Nation? Do they like the shift? To Friday, or do they want it on Thursday? I really never d- knew. What I don't. I don't think it even matters as long as it's, it's not, not a in true, Kansas. It, right. No, as long as it's not a rivalry either. If it's not yeah. a true rival, I don't think the Lohan fans care. I the think the, gen, the the consensus, Matt, that I've received in terms of feedback is: if you're not going to play A and M on Thanksgiving, yeah, then just play it. random school on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Then yeah. it comes down to basically college football, where you put you on the TV schedule since they right. use Friday that Friday yeah. as well, yeah. even though. For this year, it's unfair for a team like Texas Tech. Luckily, they get bowl eligibility, but I've never seen the eight games in less than eight weeks the way that Texas did this year. It was, what, in 48 days or something? It's something crazy to see those two squeezed together. So hopefully they don't do that again. From my youth, you don't have the two games that you used to have the day after Thanksgiving. It used to be Mm -hmm. Texas and Texas A&M and then Colorado-Nebraska right after that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Early game. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Colorado-Nebraska was a big deal. Oh, man, what? Are you serious? Well, man, Colorado even, was off, off the chain. It's funny that we bring this up. I was always rooting for Colorado because the uniforms were cooler. Rod B, Rod B made an official visit to Colorado. That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Boom. Three weeks ago, of, I had an Uber driver taking me to this place. We start talking about Texas, Oklahoma. It was that week. He's like, oh, I'm from Oklahoma and Arkansas. Started talking. Then he started talking about the 70s when it was OU, Nebraska yeah. was the big legacy. And then that how within the rivalry there, Nebraska, started to look down upon the Colorado game as the change, sort of how we're talking about the change and the evolution inside. Because that's one thing with college, with pro football. It's always been Lions and Cowboys. Then they added that late-night game. Yeah. So if the NFL's taking it over, give us Friday, I guess. Yeah, when I was playing for Detroit, so I, I got oh, a yeah. double dose of the Thanksgiving weekend football. That's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Culture, yeah. And it sort of fit. We Longhorns love those Lions. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we played really well on Thanksgiving for some I think because we had a lot of Longhorns who were used to playing around Thanksgiving. Maybe that was it. No. I, I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to uh, the Detroit Lions other than Rod B. You played there. But uh, I do dig the old Detroit Lions throwbacks that they used to wear on Oh, man. The all blue. Just the all silver got, helmet with yeah. the all blue jersey and, no and the pun silver intended. pants with, yeah. the, with the high blue socks. I got one of those jerseys, actually. That's it is mine. a pretty one. It, oh, it's clean. Yeah. It's, it's, old, it's, it's nice. Yeah. I like those. those Quandre Diggs still doing well for them. Yes, exactly. right. Man, hey, Quandre's having a hell of a year. Sorry, yes. I get random on top. But, yeah. uh, no, we will break down uh, Texas, West Virginia. We'll talk about Texas Tech. We'll also talk some bowl games. We'll get it all done here on this latest edition of the Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team. Uh, he is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, the man who sits across from me, but he is the man that will be cooking my Thanksgiving turkey. Yes. As he has done for. And Travis's. 
what is this, Matt, like five years in a row? Probably. Like as yeah. long as we've been doing the show, I yeah. think I've done one each year. Um, one year you showed up to my house. You've went to all over the city and yeah. picked up turkeys. Matt Butler, ladies and gentlemen, he cooks a mean yard bird as Rod yes. My right. uncle, I had an uncle marry into the family, and our family had been the traditional turkeyists, and then it just took one Thanksgiving, and he was frying a turkey, and we're like, dear Lord, that's delicious. It is. And then it like gives you a reason to get up at like 7 a.m., and we can cook for the family, have everything ready, and then we've yeah. done our work by 11, it's football time. So you just sit around mm-hmm. and just drink and watch football. And you fry you fry a lot of turkeys, though. We you? got now 15 going. Yeah, and that's the best way to do yes. it, actually, is to find somebody who really knows what the hell they're doing and study it and then just mm-hmm. kind of pay them or whatever to fry up a lot of turkeys because the oil is expensive, too, yes. like to fry up the turkey. Oh, yeah, and the whole so. apparatus is always... Really yeah, elaborate. basically, if you wanted yeah. to go fry yours right now, you could go to Academy and get like the apparatus for sixty bucks. The oil cost yeah. you forty, and then exactly. get your turkey and shoot it up. But yeah. then the thing is, like you said, once you got all this oil, you, you cook never-ending turkey. You might as so well just yeah. keep on turkey. You might as well just keep bring them on over, and it gets better as the oil goes, keeps going. Ooh, it gets better because yeah, all the spices stay. I'm in, in the, the oil. I'm in the camp mm. now where my wife has demanded that Matt does our turkey every day. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, mm-hmm. dude, That's Matt, awesome. you start you start on your own business because my yeah. girlfriend, I told her, I told her about turkey. She's like, I want to, I want one i was like well i don't know matt i think he's got a like a, I, I, I think remember. you got to put in your order like a month ahead of a, a time or something like that my wife was telling me it's like the end of september hey you need to talk to matt about it. I'm like, we got time until thanksgiving no so she's no, right it's now. an agreement and you know i got you on the turkeys and you know okay. i brought you a fried turkey a couple years ago i guess i i dropped that loop i should have no 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 that. no no my girlfriend was just asking about it so yes. i don't know i might steal some of y'all's Yes, uh, for a man, sure. A man who enjoys a good fried turkey, he enjoys him some Thanksgiving food. As he said, he was a part of the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry also uh, when he was a member of the Detroit Lions playing on Turkey Day. Uh, but before he was a member of the Detroit Lions, he was a he is a lifetime Longhorn. Right, he was baby. a 2002 UT All-American, a 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of those of the New York Giants actually back in the uh, back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. Uh, we don't talk about what happened after that. But when he was done with football, <laughs> he got himself back to the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. If he had his T ring, he would wear it proudly. He is a card carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mr. Rob Babers. Thank you, brother, and, uh, for the intro. Appreciate Rob B., uh, before we get down to the nitty-gritty of games, we got to talk some business, and that mm-hmm. is Deshaun Elliott is a finalist. That's right, baby. Big Jim time. Thorpe Award. Give it up. Yeah. Rod, the players they, have been reluctant to say it they, with you too. because they haven't That's earned right. it. Uh, you said probably after, I don't know, maybe it was the USC game or the Oklahoma game, you said DBU is, is back. You can They can talk about it again. Yeah. I uh, mean, when, when you get a Thorpe Award finalist, can you talk about being DBU? Hell, there have only been how many? Four finalists in the history of DBU? He's the fifth. He's the fifth. So there have been four prior to this. So, yeah, I mean, come on, Quentin Jammer, Earl Thomas, A. Ross, and Health Daddy obviously won theirs. It you know I man so I I think it's I think it's unbelievable I think it's uh, it's a great story too considering the guy who initially started the or at least the movement to say no we haven't earned the right we don't live up to the standard we're playing like DB who out there we don't want to use it we got to focus and he focused in and he was the leader he led by example that's that story is is, is an unbelievable story that's the guy who was talking it and then talk to talk and then walk to walk. And then That's when what you just about. mentioned those four, they had four finalists before, and you go through the ones that have won it or Come the Oral Tom or the Jam. It's like, when you think about that, that's like, well, that could be a Mount Rushmore in some people's opinions. And now you are pretty putting much. yourself in that thing. rarefied air with Man. them is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think he's gone, too. I think he's oh, – I, I, yeah. I think he should – I know people were like, oh, he shouldn't leave. And I was like, man, he should leave. And I'll tell you why. Not, and not that – He's not a great player, and he's, he's, he couldn't come back and have a great season. But, you know, I know Todd Orlando recently said he's going to stay, and we'll get into that too. But Malik Jefferson was having a great year. He may leave. We don't know. Puna Ford is definitely obviously leaving because he's a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, Houghton Hill, we don't know his status. My, my thing is four of those. Houghton Hill's gone, by the way. Yeah, I think yes. he is too. Four of those six picks, they were tip balls. I mean, and not yeah. saying you can't get that again, but you know probabilities yes. and odds. That's and just he luck. was, and a lot of times, go look at those. But he's like, uh, he just, uh, uh, uh. yeah. It, it's it's man. I, I think he should take advantage of that lottery ticket, cash it in while he's got it. You come back. There are a lot of other things that could go wrong that may not work in your favor. You know, people say, oh, he's only a second rounder right now or something like that. Late second round. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's and, perfect. Like, what are you talking about? It's yes, guaranteed. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's guaranteed money there. Are you talking about a safety do- getting that? Man, I, yeah, I don't understand what people are talking about. Like, he shouldn't leave. Oh, I think he should, but yeah. we'll see. 
And you bring up, you know, just the probabilities when you talk about, we talk about, uh, you know, what indicates turnovers a lot of the time. And people were saying, you know, you really can't predict them, but you can when you look at pressures. And that's what you're indicating there, that if, say, Texas isn't able to get pressure as well this year, then those type of tip situations really don't come because a ball isn't going to be thrown. Because if you get pressure, it's either on the defensive schedule, so you know where the ball's going, and you sort of can think and put yourself in the right situation. There's a lot of that for him. There's a lot of that. Or it just totally gets there and then actually affects the ball and then it just depends on where you're at yeah it's interesting when you think about Deshaun Elliott's decision you look back to Kenny Vaccaro's decision in 2011 whether he was going to leave or come back but and and Kenny's every decision Kenny's deal was even different because it was a year to come back play play a year with your brother because Kevin was coming in Kevin was going to be a true freshman uh in 2012 and they're different players because Kenny's wasn't so much about production. It's just that he was a physical freak. And you yeah. knew that whether it's this year or next year, he's going to go in the first round. He's kind of Malik. So right. It was a little bit of Malik. And there, there. was that position yeah. versatility with he can play the nickel. How some people thought he could play corner. He can play either safety spot, boundary, or field. Yeah. So just that versatility in the, in the resume he put together. And, and even in, and I don't know, maybe I'm making a case for Deshaun Elliott here, but Kenny can't coming back. That West Virginia game helped him because people saw him spin down to the nickel spot they did. and run with Tavon Austin all day. Like, well, hell, if he can run with Tavon Austin, he can, he can run play, with just about anybody. anybody man-to-man pretty so, much, yeah. It's interesting, though, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm more with you, Rod. I think when you have a year where you've got the production Deshaun Elliott had, yep. it's hard not to look at that and look at that as a lottery ticket. Man, is my stock ever going to be higher than it is right now? You know, but like you said, that's a great point. You can come back and you can prove that you can do even more things and maybe lift your draft stock a little bit more. My thing is – I want you guys to get paid for their reps. Get paid for your reps as soon as possible. We'll talk about Connor Williams, how he came back, made himself a whole lot of money. All right, versus yeah. West Virginia. I, if his, if it was possible for his draft stock to go up, I think it did go up a little bit there, <laughs> considering there is a shortage in the NFL of really good offensive linemen. They're, they're talking about a crisis right now mm-hmm. in the league of lack of offensive line talent. So I, I think he can make a lot of money too. That's another guy that could leave. But anyway, my, getting back to defense, I agree. Could, could come back and still keep his draft stock the same, or even make. It, you know, get it higher. I think right now you just cashed a lottery ticket and you, you you go to the league and get paid for reps. That's yeah, my because, I mean, right now you look at Deshaun and, like you said, there is a chance he can go up. But whenever you're talking about a guy that's already a guaranteed draft pick, and like you're saying, I mean, you look just last weekend, and when we see those guys, it's a peer of Deshaun, a guy older than him, De- Deontay Foreman. If he comes back to Texas, who knows if he tears his Achilles here or there. And it just shows that anything can happen. I mean, Alex Great Okafor point. last weekend Great. and... And Deontay both had Achilles. I was watching when Deontay's happened live. I yeah. literally thought he Bo Jacksoned himself because he was blasting through a tackle. a tackle. And you didn't know what hurt, but you knew he was writhing. It was like, I've never seen that guy like that. Like, yeah. that time, you got to go and catch that right now if you're guaranteed. And yeah. if you're a borderline, maybe first round draft pick, if you work out well, or worst case scenario, you're still a first day dude. That's guaranteed money almost if you can get in the first round. So go. I agree. With yeah, that. I, that's a great I'm, point I'm about Deontay. Yeah, nah. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I think it's more likely than not that Deshaun Elliott's gone. And we'll talk about what that means Gotta for this go. defense. Please go. But let's start with the defense, guys. When we talk about this Texas West Virginia game, and I wrote about this. You know, Bobby Burton was out, had, had a some family stuff he had to take care of, so I was in charge of doing snap judgments on the site this week. I didn't go to Morgantown, so it's a rare game where I got to watch it from my living room so I can pause and rewind. and That's the best, best way to do it. And yeah. from the moment it happened and watching the game play out, my immediate big takeaway from that game was Brandon Jones makes a play that probably saves the season for this team, and it's everything that Tom Herman's been talking about that we've been questioning in terms of have the players checked out? Are guys really bought into? Well, or, you know, or, or is is this what's keeping this team from going in the tank? Why is this team still giving you fanatical effort? And it wasn't a, a special, over the top, just physical, freaky play Brandon Jones made. Rod, it's just doing your job trying yep. to beat a guy to the pylon, and it just so happens that a team that hasn't been able to buy a break all year in one fell swoop, just because of a hustle play by Brandon Jones, you get a fumble a touchback, and Will Greer breaks his finger and is out for the rest of the game. Yeah. So it's so, one play can switch. That was the biggest play of the game. Just yeah. one play by a guy not doing anything other than 
just running his tail off trying to make a play and getting a big stop on the down before. I mean, you that, there had been a lot of effort to try to score the offense. If you had not been able to stop them on just one play, how much different the whole future is? It's sort of like our conversation last week. How much different is Rod's future if one thing different yeah. happens on a Saturday and then we see where that game goes and now this team's bowl eligible? It's just an awesome thing to see that. Then the response and this team, the one thing that surprised me, it's after we've looked at it because I was talking with my dad and we were looking at the record. And it was like, oh, well, were we, are we better than we expected? It was like, no. But then when you look at each game, well, after Maryland really exceeded expectations against USC, against OU, against Oklahoma State, against West Virginia, if I'm like, if we're exceeding our expectations in those games, yes, it is a bummer that you didn't result in a win until the very end in one of those, but you're beating the teams you're supposed to beat and you're exceeding expectations when you're an underdog. Ever since the first half of Maryland, when you crapped the bed, it was sort of like this team woke up then and I think has played really focused football for a while. They haven't executed maybe so well. They're young. They make mistakes. But they've actually been impressive in all those games against tough competition. No, now that they are bowl eligible, you can start to have the discussion like, man, and you can't make excuses for this team. You didn't want to make excuses the entire season because right. if they didn't make a bowl game, then that means there was no progress, and we all agreed the season would be deemed a failure if they didn't make a bowl game at least. Yep. Um, but now, man, even looking at that game versus West Virginia, they have Connor Williams. He comes back. He's the you know he's that guy. He can he's the foundation now of that offensive line. He comes back. He uplifts the entire the entire offensive line. Right. They only gave up what three tackles for loss. They had zero sacks mm-hmm. in that game. I mean, that offensive line was bad, abysmal when he was gone. He comes back and they play now competent level. So that's how good he is. But then you lose Patrick Vahe, the only guy. On that offensive line, who had started every game, <laughs> that's the long, that's no the long one season in a <laughs> nutshell, right? It's, yep. a, it's, a, it's exactly like what to, we can have happen. Right? Happen. It's like trying to climb a wall of ice. I mean, so we can start having that, and I'm tr- not trying to make excuses for him, no, but perfect. that's been the case for him. Cade Brewer, right? Yep. We found out, oh, he's got a torn ACL. He's gonna be, he's out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give them credit because. <laughs> Holden they, Hill balling, they, what? Suspended? Yeah, they, they just find exactly Holden Hill the suspension. <laughs> I right? don't know. Deshaun Elliott's uh, finalist for the throwboard. Oh, oh yeah, you lost your best cover corner. It's been one of those types of years for the Longhorns, but I'll give Tom Herman credit because he actually kept the the ship afloat. Like there were plenty of ways this mm-hmm. thing could have went south. We can go through like three or four points in the season where it's Having like you just brought up the Maryland thing. Yeah. The Houghton Hill thing could have went the south. Oklahoma State the qu- game, the, the Oklahoma State game, the quarterback, uh, you know, instability and going back and forth between quarterbacks. Connor Williams. There were so many times where I was like, oh man, this thing could go go way off the rails, and he could tank the season. He didn't let it tank the season. Give the man credit. He did not let it tank to see. There are a ton of things that now you got to go out there and you potentially could win eight games with yeah. the bowl game. I mean, think about that. We, and as bad as you've been on offense all year. As bad as you've been. Mm-hmm. That Now now we can see the progress. Now, and then, now through, you can sort of expect to yeah. look better because you do look better you with know? Connor Williams in yeah. a con- just average offensive line makes you not be just putrid where you literally can't do anything because you're on the defensive yeah. schedule every time. So you're starting to see – now you can see the progress. Right. You're like, oh, I can see the progress now. This team could have won eight games because now we, you know, we're, we're still in the bubble, but we lift our heads up and, take a, and we exhale whew, a little relief and there's perspective and we go, hold up, we're going to finish this season with seven wins? What the? I didn't think that was gonna happen mid season. Right. You know, I mean, we're wondering if we're gonna make a bowl game, but that—that's uh, I think the perspective that you know, kind of that Tom Herman's kind of bringing to the table. Yeah, it, as an outsider looking in, it's one of them deals, Rod. Where you, gosh, how like country did I just have? One of them deals mm-hmm. where it one of them deals. It's, it's one. <laughs> it's one of those deals where you know, Rod, like you were talking about when when you, you, you when you look at the kind of the, the whole. Now we can look at the big picture yeah. now that they are bowl eligible. And you mentioned Connor Williams and how good this offense was, and we'll talk about the offense in a minute. But, you know, you think ahead, okay, you're missing Connor Williams, so there's still a lot of work to do in the offseason in terms of, okay, you can't lose one guy and your offense just completely falls off a cliff. Like, you've got exactly. – there's, it's a long way from being done, which I don't think people need to mistake uh, forward progress for a finished product, oh, in no. other words. Great point. Um, I like the way you put that. So I think I think that needs to be established. At the same time, though, this is what I said last week. People want to look at it before it's said and done in terms of black and white. It's either this or that. Mm-hmm. But there's so many shades of gray in a season like this that you've got to really wait until the end to – 
to really judge what it was. Like, had we, you know, had we looked at, go back to last season, had we just taken it after the Texas Tech game when they were 5-4 and four, going to play West Virginia, we would have said, yeah, we see some things that the defense is getting better and you know, the offense is still scoring points, it's good. And then you go lose your last three games, including one to Kansas, Kansas. and you have a coaching change. Exactly. So you just got to wait until you get close to the end. Now, that said, and we'll talk about this game here in a little bit, if they go out and lose to Texas Tech, then I don't think anybody's going to be feeling as good as they were right after the West Virginia game. Yeah. It's now that there's hope that you – you know, I told you guys this a few years ago. I I look for a redeeming quality in a season. When I look Mm -hmm. at a Texas team – um, you know what's what's your redeeming quality? Is there a redeeming quality about you? In other words, uh, did you beat a rival that year? Something you can hang your hat on? Or Matt said it, and I, you know Tom Herman said it, and you can kind of piece it together. Did you win the games you were supposed to win? And really, if you swap out Maryland and West Virginia, that's the one. Then yeah, year. they've pretty much won the games they were supposed to win, and they've been competitive in the other ones. And Rod, the uh, the, the kind of the terminology you put on it. Those coyote ugly losses that Charlie Strong had, yeah. the twenty with the three touchdown get off the stick losses, yeah. mm-hmm. they haven't had those. Nope. And unless something just goes horrifically wrong against Texas Tech, Tom Herman's not going to have one of those in his yeah. first year. I know the Maryland game ended up looking more respectable than it probably felt, but I, than it probably than it did feel. And you were at least in the TCU game in the second half, and it just kind of got away from you late because you couldn't do anything on offense. But there hasn't been that one game. Aside from Maryland, where you just feel like, man, this team is just terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this is going. We've now we've had rightful complaints about the offense, you know, and, what? And, and 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 being stagnant over there. But for the most part, this has been a team that has been in every game they've played this season. I, I, I'm going to say this, and long fans are not going to like it, but I I truly believe that I'm, I'm starting to believe it in my heart. If this team wins eight games, it means they go on win the rest of the season and obviously win the bowl game. I'm gonna say that they don't get to eight wins unless they lose to Maryland. Yeah, I agree. You know, that, what I mean, that unless was really they big. have that sense of urgency to start to see. Because remember, we're in the honeymoon phase with Tom yeah. Herman going it's into the that same season. Thing, like the coaching and, team helped right now for the, this. The team. Big Twelve's got seven bowl teams. Hell, they could end up having eight, depending on if Texas Tech ends up beating Texas, something like that. That's a, that's that's more than any other Power Five conference. At least there's parity. We don't. Mm-hmm. Know, there's not a lot of. You know, good, t- great teams in it. Oklahoma's right. the only great team really in it, um, and TCU's a really good team. But it's a lot of parity in this league, and I think it's really possibly that Texas could have went into the Big Twelve play overconfident. You know what I mean? And considering the way Iowa State played early, right. mm-hmm. I think now we're looking at that win like, damn, how yeah. oh, Texas pulled that off early? You know what I mean? Like in K State and the way you know, I mean K State and how they play with is Bill Snyder football. It's very possible that Texas could have went into. These the Big Twelve conference schedule kind of you know complete not complacent but overconfident feeling themselves a little too much and dropped a couple of more games than they should have dropped and ended up with a seven win season instead of a, an eight win season. I mean, that's only if they get to eight wins. Right. Yeah. Then that means that to me they started there was this sense of urgency all throughout the season and they just kept fighting even though they were losing games and they ended up with a losing record at times that this team just kind of kept fighting and they're going to fight through the bowl game like they, they, to them it ain't over like they're still hungry like that's what kept them hungry all season long and there's you only I mean? evidence to support it because since that game like we were saying they exceeded expectations in every big game i mean definitely in USC OU and Oklahoma State maybe not so much against TCU but still like Jeff said respectable and won every other game and that's been all the games since that Maryland game so it's just the evidence that this team showed up since then it just took coaches started coaching hard something was real fresh right? yeah and it was a perfect Todd Orlando thing. Was probably it, like, honestly holy, it's and we know. talked about it how it could be a silver lining but at the time you never when something is one really want to experience it that way because it meant means something really bad had to happen for you to then find out what it then sparked afterward and well look you, at the pattern we all you just yep. agree with the pattern the teams that are better than Texas yep. Texas lost too but they were competitive in those games yep. and Texas the teams that Texas was supposed to beat, they beat, except that Maryland game. Yep, the you know first I mean? one. That took the, and it was, it was the, it was the first moment. one. It was like, so, okay, okay. So I, I can say that this team needed a wake-up call. And it was the first half. They were, they were sleep, not sleepwalking, but they were kind of they were high seven. on life walking into that. They were in the honeymoon phase of that Tom Herman. Yeah. He was he had, him not, had pool parties and, and then playing it was a kickball pick six, you're up and, and, and new and locker boom. rooms. And the whole, you know what I mean, the whole mentality. I think they were kind of riding high. And they were like, man. 
we're going to go. We're just going to win because we got Tom Herman and he's the man. He's doing everything. And it's like, nope, you get slapped in the mouth. And I think that was the best thing that ever happened to that group because they went back to work. They're like, all right, you know what? We are we got new locker rooms, but damn, we're still a sucky, terrible football team. We got to go back to work. And they weren't really, in terms of talent, that bad football team. But in terms of their mentality, it was the same old mentality. So they went back. I, I think that blue-collar, blunt right. pale mentality helped them out. Rod, you mentioned coaches coaching harder, and that's where I want to start with the West Virginia game because I felt like this was a game, this was going to be a coach's game. You pretty much knew what, what you had to do to win. We talked about it last week. You're 4-0 when you run the ball at least 40 times. You've got Connor Williams back. You need to shorten the game, limit the exposure of your defense, a defense without Holton Hill in the secondary that we knew without that piece wasn't as good as you've been. You need to limit the reps Will Greer and those guys get. And Rod – up until the fourth quarter when West Virginia finally put a drive together, the game plan went exactly how it needed to go for Texas to win. Yep, that game unfolded did. exactly how it needed With to go. With the weather and everything. Texas controlled the football. I, know I said it last week, your best game plan is to go with Sam Ellinger because you need the run threat. You're going to need to put drives together on the ground. And it was, a, it was a game, Rod, where they pounded the rock 42 times, rushing for 233 yards, a lot of that behind the left side of your offensive line mm-hmm. with Connor Williams. But the combination of Connor Williams and Sam Ellinger being back, being healthy, giving this offense a lift. And, look, we can talk about Will Greer being out and West Virginia having to go to a backup quarterback you still got three really productive receivers that you've got to cover. You've got to get off the field on third down. The defense did everything they could until, like I said, that drive in the fourth quarter when West Virginia finally put something together. But at the end of the day, how we talked about last week, how the game needed to unfold. Like, if you told me Texas was going to win, I told you this is how it's going to have to go. It's exactly how it went. Well, it got – I mean, they got – the ultimate kind of perfect storm yeah. of circumstances to help them out. It's no about pun time, intended. man. Considering Literally. every break this team hasn't gotten, <laughs> yeah. This year. The yeah. rain, the rain. They got the weather that they needed to kind of slow that West Virginia offense down, at least deter them from throwing the football a ton. And then obviously in that third series of the game for West Virginia, whatever the you know Will Grizz knocked out of the game with a broken finger. And that in itself deters the passing game of West Virginia even more because it is Shogunov that comes in the game. Is that his name? Shogunov? Shogunov. Shogunov? Shogunov. Shogunov. I'm going to screw it Chug- up. Either way. Shogunov. 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 Whatever. Your colleague uh, at the horn rod, uh, Brad Kellner, calls him Stroganoff. Uh, <laughs> um, but once he comes into the game, then they don't, they, don't, they don't have the threat of the vertical passing game, which they're the best in the country at. That's why they have those three receivers that have such prolific numbers. And then Tyler Lando, which he wants to make a team one dimension. Anyway, he takes away the run, makes it one-dimensional. The weather, the elements, the Will Grill being knocked out of the game, partly because of that Brandon Jones hustle you talked about, Jeff. So that that basically took West Virginia's offense away and their defense, as we've talked about. It was I mean it's one of the worst in the Big Twelve, and that's they they could yeah. be exposed there in Texas. Exposed that defense, they ran it right at them, and you know I think that listen the. The, the plan wasn't to start Sam Elliott. The plan, which was to start Shane Bouchelle. He started right. Shane Bouchelle. Right. The, and I'll give Tom Herman credit for this. And I don't know if he wants to admit it or not. He'll probably say, yeah, well, I'll put, to put him in a third series of the game. And that's exactly how I did it, and it worked out. Um, but, yeah, we never saw Shane Bouchelle again. So I'll say this. I think he started Shane Bouchelle, and I think he, he understands, just like us, that Sam Elliott gives him the best chance to win. And especially in those circumstances, because Sam's a mutter and he doesn't need, you know, the weather and the elements don't affect him as much as they affect a guy like Shane. But when Will Grill goes out of that game, and then the very next series is when he puts Sam Miller, Sam Ellinger in there, excuse me. I think he's I think that's when he's like, you know what? I'm going or I'm I'm going with Sam right now. I'm going with him because now this game, the probability of us winning has flipped in our favor. Mm-hmm. Tremendously. Yeah. The weather and everything is like, I don't know. If Will Grizz in there and he's tossing that ball around. You know, hell, I man, this thing get out of hand. I don't want to put Sam in there. You know, I'm, I think he was thinking like me. They're saving Sam for Tech. I truly believe he was. But because text a text a text a guarantee. It's not a guaranteed win, but it's the most likely win out of those two. But when Will Grizz out of that game, it totally flips. West Virginia ain't even the same team. And I think once that happened, he was like, you know what, Sam? Conditions. Go win the game. Go win the game. We can go win this game. Go win the game for us. And it only and, you can help yeah. feed his whole idea that every single week either quarterback can play. you got to prepare for both of them because then he's in there. He says yeah. he does it. You know, but so. and now Sam's starting versus Tech because we True, all know. Yes. I think he knows. Sam's the best. Yes. He knows that, too, that Sam well, gives him the better the chance to win. There was still the concussion stuff that we like. Exactly. We, were, we had been saying yeah. this whole time, Sam's the best guy, and we expect him to win. And if they're trying to get ball eligible, they'll try to go out there and play him because he's the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Yeah, because I think we, we've we come to the conclusion that 
you know, whichever quarterback Don't. you were going to go with depended on what style of offense you want to run. And the style of offense you need to run with Shane Bouchelle in there, it's not conducive to the personnel you have. This offense, as we've seen, has to be able to run the ball, has to establish itself exactly. on running the football. And the best way to do that is Sam Ellinger's your leading rusher right now. Like he's the leading rusher, I think, in rushing yards. And I mean, think about that. He's a totally different he's offense. Missed, and he's the like, and the yards and attempts. He's missed like three games. <laughs> it's good to have like functional <laughs> mobility. Like, and Bouchelle, we enjoyed that he had it last year. But then you, when you watch different teams and just understand that there's a whole second play yeah, advantage man. of every play that really is un- unquantifiable and I think probably outweighs almost any type of skill advantage unless you're just a perfect prototype quarterback that can make every single throw and you don't have to wait. Like, you yeah. see a couple of those. Like, what, what's his name? Rosen or something. But if you don't have that, you're going to need a dual threat guy in the modern game to win with, football. With Sam Ellinger, Rod, it's kind of the gift and the curse of being a gunslinger the way Sam Ellinger is. Yeah. It's, it's that uh, it's, Sam Ellinger, to me, harder. has some of that irrational confidence Case McCoy had. Oh, but yeah. Sam obviously has a better skill set to make yeah. that translate. But, you know, the thing with and, – and a lot of people are harping on it for the pick six. And don't get me wrong. It was, a, it was an awful decision. It was, it was a ball that never should have been thrown. Trying to throw but away. at the same time, yes, he made a bad decision on that one. But it's the other seven or eight plays he made before that. You're not up fourteen nothing unless he makes those plays. And then yeah. there can be a well intention, bad intention. He just misjudged the last second. He's in the middle of throwing that away and can always, with any strength of his arm, throw a ball away. But then at the last second, it's either way the sack as I'm being pulled down, or do I think I have time? Oh, I made a brain fart and did not have enough time to throw it away because he was trying to throw it into the back of the stands. It's just He's obviously a getting true pulled down. Freshman, exactly. That's what happens when true freshmen are starting as your quarterback. That's just the way it is. All of, go watch a true freshman start. Yeah, and he hadn't even started the entire year. They're gonna make mistakes like that. We've seen him make mistakes like that. He'll grow out of that. And hell, maybe one Sam Darnold's making some of those decisions even yeah. even now. That's okay. Nathan so, Peterman yeah, made five it, of those in the first. It, time. it happens. It's not a big deal. Like people are harping on it. If if he wasn't making plays, if he was like Tom Savage out there. All right, and he's giving away Peterman. fumbles and not actually making any plays, then you got a concern. But like you said, that's what you live with when you have kind of a gunslinger. Listen, the guy caught a pass too. All right, yeah. he literally had, he's responsible for like 220 something yards of receiving, rushing, and throwing the football. It's like Joey Harrington in that he's, holiday bowl against yeah, you. Yeah, man, Rod. he's doing everything. So he's, it's the Sam Ellinger show. So you're going to have to deal with some of that too. It's, it's any time, you know, and I'm not comparing him to these guys, but you look at the NFL, the, the Favs and the Roethlisbergers, the guys that have that gunslinger mentality, it's – they're going to make a couple plays during a game that make yeah. you go, what the hell was that? But they're going to make you the other five or six plays that get you in the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They're playing up to that it's border. A, it's, a, it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you look at this offense, I just love the fact that, again, the coaches knew what they had to do to win. They knew the path to victory, and they followed it. And we're seeing now that, yeah, when they have, when, when all things are equal for these running backs – and they've got room to work. And even though Kyle Porter had probably the best game he's had since he's been he in Texas, a good game. yeah, man, Danny Young and Tennille Carter just give you a different kind of burst, a different kind of juice, yep. something different than the two veterans give you. I mean, yeah, no, I, I actually the last couple of games, I mean, I've the the offensive game plan has not been um, totally void of creativity and innovation. I mean, I I love that in the Kansas play we talked Kansas game we talked about how we love the play to Cade Brewer, the you know, the RPO yeah. kind of run pass option with the, the right delayed release the there. Point, the and then reach, you yeah. see, yeah, you see another one with Chris Warren, right? Uh right, you know, kind of right up the gut. He kind of fakes like he's coming in to block uh, in the interior and then boom, he goes off on a route and I I I like those those are Great concepts, man. That really, mm-hmm. with a guy like Sam Ellinger in there, they're almost indefensible if he reads it correctly. I mean, because yeah. you have to defend him and his running ability. I mean, you got to one point where West Virginia, they just rushed one guy and dropped back 10 guys, I mean, to coverage. Because <laughs> it's like, we know he's going to run. He's just going to run when the play breaks down, and then he's going to find some scene. But he's really, really good at that when the play breaks down. That's his X Man ability. So, I mean, I think teams will start game planning the forward, but he'll evolve his game and become more of a season pocket passer but this offense and this team is better with Sam Ellinger in there because he is great in chaos and there's a lot of chaos on this offense right. you know what I mean because they don't really have a, a system that they can rely on or 
that kind of dynamic um, game-breaking talent to rely on. And being great in chaos is literally maybe the one attribute that I would say is the most like important to being a quarterback. Like There might not be a better quality, I'd oh, want to yeah. say, than to be great during chaos. He's at because ease in it. Yeah. you are literally under chaos and under duress the whole time and have to make good decisions. Yeah. So if that's something he excels in, it would be just amazing. And then when you talked about just the creativity of the offense and you had just brought up the pass back to Ellinger, uh, go back and look. It was like maybe three run plays before or three plays before, something yeah. like that. Exactly same run play that you see that's yep. setting it up so then you could see he almost sold that shoulder too much that he was faking the run to then throw it back but it was just something that you could see the seed being planted multiple times earlier in the game it was like oh I remember seeing something that looked just like that but then they did that that's yeah. awesome and how about them using Gerard Hurd to actually throw it back mm-hmm. hey, a, 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 next, a former quarterback to throw it and wide receiver yeah. oh man that makes a lot of sense too so right. maybe and I know, like you said, it's it's microscopic. It's uh, you know, Theobacillus, if you will. Like it's it's the tiniest bacterium of you know progress. But I'm starting to see a little bit on offense. I'm starting to see some things I like on offense. Yeah. Uh, to Matt's point, though, Matt, you brought it up. How you know, kind of using plays to set up the Brian Harson theory. We talk about you're going to run this this counter trade nine times because I'm going to set up something off of it to yeah. take a shot or whatever. We're starting to see more of that creativity that was lacking, some of that the just kind of the common sense stuff to football that's been lacking in this offense. And Rod, to our, to our point about the run game, we, your favorite stat is the now they're five and zero when they've run the ball at least forty times. Hey. That makes it all the more maddening in games where they just abandon the run altogether. Yeah, but we got to remember Williams wasn't there. No, I get that. No, I, I'm saying I that, that I really think that's a huge impact on that. No, I'm not. It I'm not. So, but that's why the, so I'm not. That's the I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's. But not. they were the stats. But still, then it makes sense to abandon it if it's not working. The, the stat was still but we're, we're, evident when they were without Williams and yeah. they still weren't. It, it seems to be a mold there. Yeah. You know, I mean, a yeah. blueprint. Saying there. you, you didn't. Yeah. There were times where you didn't even give yourself a chance. Is to exactly. see if you could establish it, yeah, you know, and, and and that goes back to it taking them so long to to realize the two freshmen were the two best backs they have. But yep. this is all stuff now. I said this after the TCU game. I expected the offense to be stagnant against TCU because you were facing a really good defense. Really but good these defense. last three games were really where okay, we're really going to see if this thing between Tom Herman and Tim Beck if it can work. Are there signs that show us that it can work? And guys, let's face it, the Kansas game was not yeah. that impressive. No, offensively, yeah, you had that burst at the beginning. The we first saw a quarter. few things here and there that we like, yeah. but the West Virginia game—that's kind of what I think they've envisioned the offense to look like all year. And Tim Beck said in his press conference this week, he's like, "Hey, it's a lot easier to call plays when you can run the football," which again makes it more maddening. Then why don't you try to establish the run in spots where you maybe should run the ball? It's just—it's these things that you know. As we talk about, this team is growing; they're making progress. Hopefully the staff is making progress, and they learn from year one that, okay, this is who we are. Let's not try to be something we're not. This is what we are. Just just like, Rod, you were talking about defensively. You know, yep. Todd Orlando, it's it's almost like the person that's that's got, this is my morning routine. I get up, and I go get my coffee, and then I shower, and I shave, and I yep. get ready. Todd Orlando's routine is we got to stop the run. Well, West Virginia's not a great running team. So what? we got to make sure we can stop the run. Yep. If I know we can stop the run, everything, everything else in the playbook's else falls open. In the play. Right. Yeah. I agree. So regardless of how good or bad they are at running the football, if you can stop the run, if yeah. you're Todd Orlando, it's almost like your security blanket. Like, all right, I know we can stop the run. Now let's go do everything else. Well, because I, I think at one point you realize the identity of your team. Say offensively, they didn't realize what their identity was, and we know they still may not know. And a lot of that is because they Is the identity of this offense game. Connor Williams? Um, it, it may be. I mean, it may like, just be like built th- around I'm him. I'm thinking it is, yeah. Um, but when you throughout the season, you got to figure out what the identity of your team is, how you're winning football games. And this team was winning football games with ex- ex- great punting, like some all-time great punting. I'm talking about all-time great. Uh, so field position and hidden yardage, and with defense. That defense was actually scoring points and winning games for them. Mm-hmm. And for this offense to not figure it out, like, all right, well, we just got to run so we can aid our defense and keep them fresh in the Big 12 so we can control some of the clock so we can keep these offenses off the field. So, you know what I mean? We can yeah. win games that way. And along, you know, obviously following along with the running the ball at least 40 times and then being 5-0 and there, I think they, got, they, they just weren't creative enough to figure it out how they could run the ball. They were kind of being, in my opinion, they were being lazy. They were letting that system kind of cripple their creativity. Um, yeah. and constipate their creativity. Now you're seeing, and maybe it's just out of necessity, they're like, all right, you know what, Chris Warren, 
Man, you got to go to H-back over there, man. You being on the field is good because teams worry about you. They will key on you in one way or the other. But you can't be the focus of our running game in a traditional running game anymore. You don't really fit that type of mold for us. Yeah. All right, so we'll find other ways to use them. And I think they started to do more of that. Now you're starting to use that personnel wiser. You see the, 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 the wide receiver throwback to Ellinger. At least it was done with the freaking wide receiver that used to be a quarterback. It's, we said it was small things. We, we yeah. said it was little tiny well, I mean, things you could do, little adjustments here and there that would help. It. And they're throwing the ball deep more. Oh, there you go. Just taking shots. Well, Have you noticed that? They're just taking random shots downfield. Like, all right, one-on-one, screw it. Let's just throw it down. Let's just throw it deep. And we were like, man, just throw it deep. Mm-hmm. If you got a one-on-one, you got receivers, all of them are 6'3 or taller, just throw the damn ball deep. You know what I mean? And they weren't doing enough of that. So now you're starting to see it's just little things. It, it's not – it ain't rocket science. And I think they were overthinking it. Now they're getting to know their personnel a little bit more. And I think they've they've given up some of their commitment to that system. It's like, all right, man, we got football players out here. Elling is a football player. Little Jordan Humphrey's a football player. Let's identify the ballers. We got these new young running backs now. Daniel Young to New Carter. They got a little bit more burst so they can get to the second level um, a little bit quicker. So the offensive line don't have to hold their blocks as longer. These little things add up. They start adding up. And then, oh, what do you know? Your offense looks like it has rhythm. Yeah. A little bit of a vibe. You can start You can start seeing yeah. like, oh, you can start seeing the thought process of an offensive coordinator. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I think I know why he did that because they've been having success running on the left side with Connor Williams. So they kept running there. There you go. That made a lot of sense. And then you know toward, I mean? like finding your personnel, like you said, with the young running backs lately yeah. has been really big. And then that's also why I think that we saw for a good five-game stretch that offense had been reduced to being the QB run game because you were limited. You didn't have either you, as the fault of the coaches, were not identifying which backs were the best to go in or you felt most confident in adding the extra blocker and having Sam, who runs like a running back, do it until you realized yeah. it's not sustainable in concussion. You probably knew that on the front end. But you needed to win football games, so you're just going to let your football player go play football. Rod, this is one of those deals that if it's it's an either or deal. Like if you're if you're not if you're not having success, and you start making all these personnel changes, you're desperate. But if you're having success, and then you make personnel changes, you're creative. Yeah. Like let's Todd look at look, look at look at the exactly. Yeah. That's where I was going on defense. Like look at Todd Orlando through the years. At some point, he realized, you know what. I gotta have more speed on the field, and then I asked him the question in his press conference this week: What's one thing he's because he he's one game away from completing a Big Twelve season? I asked him, "What's the one thing yep. you learned about this conference that matched up or didn't match up with your your expectations, your assumption?" And he said, "The amount of NFL talent at the skill positions in this league and the amount of speed in this league offensively." is insane and it's like yeah. nothing anywhere else in the country. Yeah. So at some point he realized early in conference play, you know what, we gotta have more speed on the field. I need I need Hager on the field more. I, mm-hmm. I gotta have Gary Johnson running around too. And he's found a role for Jason Hall. Yep. And these pieces have worked, man. Hager's playing really well. Gary Johnson was Big Twelve Code Offensive Player well, of the Week. Bonnie was playing well before J- they put yeah, him too. Jason yeah. Hall Jason Hall's had two really good back to back games now. Yep. So you're seeing the pieces fit. But offensively, they didn't even make those "quote unquote" desperate moves that would, you know, be the sign of a team that's struggling making desperate moves. They just kind of, kind of stuck with what they had until really they were forced to make a change. They never adapted. And I and I go back you to, I, mean? I go back to, and I'm not speaking ill of Tom Herman. I'm just saying I, I, I don't know if it's stubbornness or just you believe in a plan. But I go back to Max' first spring at Texas, and he looked at his offense. He said, "You know, I got Ricky Williams." At the time, he had Richard Walton at quarterback and you know, Wayne McGarity, Kwame Cavill. This offense is going to be fine. Yep. But this is the slowest defense I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know what, Leonard Davis, I don't need is that you. Like a hump was that linebacker. Leonord Davis, like I don't need yeah. you playing defensive tackle. So once you come over here and play offensive line, and 80s, we'll, we'll, we'll program. You know, yeah. once once Jay Humphrey and Ben Adams and it these was. guys are gone, we'll stick you on the offensive line. Aaron Humphrey, you're a defensive end now, son. You're not playing middle linebacker for me. Uh, Aaron Babineau, you're not a safety anymore, son. Spin down, you're playing linebacker now. And there's all these different moves they made yeah. to to boost the, to kind of beef up that defense. Quicken up that defense. Non-Illinois, Texas. McEvick had big yeah. in Texas. And we didn't really see Tom Herman do a whole lot of that. And there were moves. You know, I was thinking the other day, Rod, like if I was Tom Herman, what moves would I have made that could have helped my offense oh, without taking it. away from my defense? Oh, that's easy. You know, one, one move I thought you could have done that would have really helped your offense? What? Nation used the tight end. No, that's yeah. not bad. Because Nation Hughes, is, he's really good at the point of attack. Not he bad. doesn't give you any splash plays yeah. or explosive plays on defense. 
But he's really he's good against the run. Got a good. He's long. Yeah. He's like a slender big. version of Kellen Moore. It's not bad. Put him at tight end. It's not bad. No, if he can do it, I don't even know. But find a spot for Jason Hall would have been one of those moves I said you could have made. You know, another move I think you could have made that could have helped your corner depth. What? As crazy as this sounds, try Armani Foreman a corner. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, you didn't need that. Rod B, you didn't have yeah, great defense, hands. You were, defense, like, yeah, didn't, defense didn't need any of that, though. I mean, I, I, offensively, the thing is, yeah, why don't you try things when what you are trying or obviously what you have tried isn't working? It's not effective. So no, I, I guess what I'm saying that. is well, we, didn't, spring, we didn't see so. any of that in the spring no, or in we didn't camp. See that like any any position moves or just kind of tinkering Hell, with this here. We didn't even see common sense moves. Let's be honest. Gerard heard at Thursday. I guess I was thinking of the So we were lacking common sense. When you come into a place, though, because he said, he didn't look at film, you know. So if you come in, Which, you would think that he's putting them in the yeah. positions that he they fit best. No, that's a good point. I'm just saying, but he still lacks some. They lack true, some common true, sense and they lack creativity. If we're playing this game about what he, what you could have done to change positions. It's like it sort of seems like with Herman, the way he approached the entire roster was not look at what they were and see what players he has and then see where they fit. Oh no, I agree. But you still can move around players just based oh, on what you've learned from the spring on. Yeah, you know, little Jordan Humphrey, like I said, you you've been misusing him or underutilizing him oh, all year long, sure. and you should you should have figured that out through the first two or three games. Like, okay, you know what? I can use this guy. This guy could be a matchup nightmare for teams. Mm-hmm. Nope, I never saw that. He's, he's playing wide receiver, or he's just playing in the, the wildcat. That's it. If you, you know didn't I mean? like, if you didn't like Chris Warren, which clearly we said after the SC game, this staff just must not like Chris Warren. Get the two freshmen ready. Yeah, you should have done the, that. Give earlier. them the camp reps. Yeah. Oh, I like the Chris Warren H back thing. It took too long, but I like it. I like the. You most. know, there's, it's just. You know what I mean? It. it you can. It just took too long. Yeah, you it, can you can all you can almost give the staff a pass. It's tough to give give your staff a pass at Texas, but year one, you give them a year to kind of sort everything out and figure it out. I gave Charlie, we all gave Charlie a year. Said, oh, it's the first year. They got to figure some things out. <laughs> it's just they didn't do a really good job of adjusting, you know, to the stuff they did figure out the first year. They just kind of either forgot it or didn't build he on said it or Charlie whatever. Was operating as if he had a lot of time. Remember yeah, that? and I don't think Tom Herman's operating like he's got a lot of time. No, but no, I'm, I'm just saying Charlie was. Um, it's funny you bring up the first year because when we were having the conversation earlier about this year, it started to really remind me because we were talking oh, yeah. about all the defensive players that may be the ones leaving, which were the Hickses and all those guys, the Diggses and those guys we talked about before. But then even look at the way that the offensive line issues early, just a total impotent offense, yet somehow you get to become – Bowl eligible, but then we were talking about how bowl eligibility would be something that you hopefully can use for a springboard. That yeah. offseason, no change was made. The way with this conversation right now about the idea to foresee what needs to be done and make those changes, and hopefully at least now with a full offseason uh, off of knowing some type of personnel, they won't mimic the same mistakes that we saw from the previous staff following one year when you had those bowl practices didn't do anything, didn't get rid of the offense, and then brought it back and then fired it all in. And yeah, Rod, that's that's one thing I wanted to bring up because you can refresh my memory on this. It seemed like Charlie and those guys didn't really take advantage of the bowl practices. Like, we didn't hear about yeah. – it was almost like, eh, we got these bowl practices. Like, um, I think it's it seems like Tom Herman and the staff, they're looking at these bowl practices like they're worth their weight in gold. Well, they are. I mean – Which know, is how you should look at them. It just didn't – Well, that might be just be a shift thing that, like, literally the way we talk about how detail-oriented this staff is compared to the issues yeah. before were details. Just, so, maybe unintentionally – I mean, they still had the same amount of practice were working, but maybe weren't valuing it as the way other coaches may valuable how, – how, or how valuable that time is whenever you – basically, if you're one of the poor and you do not – not get that chance you get to have a better advantage of just staying poor like you don't get that right. advantage of being the three weeks of practice so some coaches yeah. may value it much more. All, all i'm saying is it just seemed like there was no sense of urgency from charlie and that staff during those bowl practices to implement change or build on change it seems like this staff is looking at it like okay 2018 starts now like once the texas tech game is over 2018 starts and we gotta we gotta build offensive line depth we gotta get you know if we do lose guys we gotta get guys in the secondary ready and rod not to look too far ahead but you talk about if you lose a Malik Jefferson, if you lose a, a Deshaun Elliott. I think you should operate as prob- if you are going to right, lose Right, you're probably going to lose a whole I bit. think that's how yes. you approach the you've bowl got, You've got a 
chance Playing to have a some real you've, young guys. Yeah. You've got a chance though to have a veteran starting secondary to get them running out because your secondary yeah. for the first sprint snap of spring in 2018 could be Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd at the corners, exactly. which are going to be your corners for the yep. last game in the bowl game. Yep. You keep Brandon Jones at safety. Gary you re- Johnson, replace yeah. replace uh, Deshaun Elliott with John Bonney, who was in a starting spot before Brandon Jones slapped him and took his job. And then PJ Locke at the nickel, who will be healthy for bowl practices. Yeah. So really, you can start. Go ahead and start. Hey, let's go ahead and build this 2018 secondary right now. And just, and, and unlike Manny Diaz and un, and well, Manny Diaz did have Kenny Vaccaro and Quandre Diggs coming back, mm-hmm. but uh, and unlike Vance Bedford, you're not having to like find walk on safeties to go start. Like you've got guys that have that have reps and then have experience to step in. Malik Jefferson, Jerover, he's gone. Well, then it's a good thing Gary Johnson's been playing so dang well because you just plug him in yeah. to that role and then let Ed Freeman and Anthony Wheeler battle it out for the other spot, and then boom, go. You're off and running. Well, a D-tackle too. Point of four is going to be leading. That's going to be so the big you one. Need to, That's going to be the big one. You need to try to figure that out too. Yes, yeah, so I agree. I think can, What can Jamari Chisholm give you? Can yeah. Chris Nelson go play I the think nose? Matt was right, though. I think it's all about the coach. I mean, I think, it's yeah. the, I think Tom Harmon's had a sense of urgency to a certain extent since he's come in here, not as he hasn't had as much of a sense of urgency about making personnel moves on the offense or making changes offensively. But in terms of when he's coming in here, like to revamp the locker rooms and to, you know, renovate different things and to bring in a support staff, all that kind of stuff. So I think for the macro look at the program, he approaches those bowl games, probably how you just mentioned about the particulars. All right. If I'm losing, if I'm losing a lot of guys, let's prepare for that during this bowl game. Um, you know, what I mean, like different yeah. things of that nature. So I, I think that it's all about how the coach, what the mentality of the coach is, and and Charlie Strong operated with no sense of urgency at all. I mean, in terms of making changes uh, to the offense or making changes on his staff or making changes to the program, he just operated like he was very nonchalant. Like, oh, I got time. And we yeah. said that on the show. I've said that plenty of times. I said that back then, so <laughs> I can say that now. We were saying and, it as it happened. Yeah, I was like, man, he, he must got a lot of time because he's operating as if, you know, he's got he's got five years guaranteed. Tom Herman, I think, will go into the bowl practices, and I think you'll see that, that you'll feel that sense of urgency, I should say. Right. Um, with the bowl. I mean, they need it. That's, that's time, guys. Time is something the NCAA limits. And now you have basically been awarded time, rewarded time because of you, you get, make, getting the six wins. Uh, Extra time. Anything from left over from West Virginia that you guys want to hit on? I, I thought Connor Williams, again, offensively, Rod, it's amazing how much better everything around him looked. Right. Terrell Cooney played one of his better games. We saw Kendall Moore uh, make some plays. Chris Warren at H-back getting out there and doing some things in the blocking game. That's why I said, I mean, when we talk about the identity of this offense, maybe it wasn't the quarterback position of the run game. Maybe all along the identity of your offense was Connor Williams. It's very possible. Uh, it's very, we just overlooked him. We overlook mm-hmm. offensive linemen all the time. And we were talking about how great he was, obviously. And he's but it's not, be a, first well, and we did it's not point a sexy out. position, and there's no stats you can correlate to. I mean, we can look at pro football focus grades and things like that, but there's no uh, – But it's hard to though. equate something tangible to the success, to one offensive lineman being kind of your identity. I mean, we, we, we've said that he's the best player on the offense and best player on the team, but yeah, I, remember, I don't think – though, when I came in and charted literally – Pre-injury to post-injury, I said the entire offense changed immediately when Connor Williams. It's on video. Go watch that post one. I like. I charted it all and said right there we just changed to now we're going to just run Ellinger. And it sort of just proved that it was the identity shift. We couldn't run with the running back. We quit doing that and went straight to running the quarterback. Yeah. Well, he's our best running back, yeah. by the way, Sam Ellinger. <laughs> so that's identifying talent. He's the best running back. They he is. adapted, and that's your best, pretty good. He's your best running I, back, I'm too. in the minority, but I don't think it might have been as bad as some do. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, just like think it, I just think you could have done a better job. It's just, oh, I, yeah, I you could do yeah. a better job for sure. I just, I just, I mean, as good as Connor Williams is, I don't think you're – I mean, it's, it's similar to the Cowboys, right? Like, is Tyron Smith that good to where your offense yeah. just completely craps Apparently the bed? Apparently, it is. You're talking about the second the best. Two weeks? Yeah, I did. I compared Unfortunately, those yes. on my show. Like, yeah, you're right about that because I look that offensive line has been the second or third best offensive line in the league, or even the best offensive line in the league for the last three or four years. It comes to the Cowboys' offensive mm-hmm. line, and Tyron Smith had missed a ton of time. He missed so he missed one, two games, and you see that offensive line give up historic sacks. quarterback pressure and sacks. Yeah. I told one guy, by the way, who admitted he only had one move yeah. in that game. Adrian Claiborne said, I had one move, dude. That's all I did. I used one move on him. Yeah. And, and so, I, so I agree. I, it, it's weird, but, yeah, I agree that maybe, maybe Tyron Smith is the most important Dallas Cowboy and maybe Connor Williams is the identity of the we Texas knew he offense. Was, we knew he was the most important player, but, I mean, I guess it's just all a matter of – 
you know, yeah. how how much you want to gauge the, the level, how much you want to quantify in terms of a number value, the importance of, of one guy. So oh, we maybe, all say, maybe, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it was higher than we It's thought. just because yeah. we can't have numbers right, to kinda, be able to back well, up thank you, uh, what we're saying. You, you know what I mean? Right there what I was Deontay Foreman, it's like, oh, Deontay Foreman, 2,000 yards, of course he's the best player. And then it's like uh, a wide receiver, Jordan Shipley, you know, gets ridiculous numbers. It's like, oh, Jordan Shipley, look at the numbers. He's the best player on the field. Uh, Cole McCoy, he's got numbers. With offensive linemen, there are no numbers. Well, and There are no numbers. Numbers to be able to quantify his impact. And this is a good thing to talk about numbers because now we basically in sports have always associated certain stats mean success, which they really don't indicate success. And all I do for a living is look at numbers and try <laughs> to indicate where the success came from. And in football, it's offensive line versus defensive line. It's the first place you start because it's going to indicate which one's successful or not. But it's the same way when you look and dissect something like, say, basketball. Look at Joel Embiid all game, all season long. He's been quite consistent. What happens when he plays a horrible defense against Biggs? He has one of the best games in the history of basketball yeah. against the Lakers because the situation is very bad for him. What happens? It isn't as if the Cowboys got horrible, but if you can't block one guy that's blowing up the entire offense, it really negates and it skews the success. So the better way to look at numbers instead of just at the stats, you can go and look at different dispersions like in basketball, something like usage. But in, say, football, you can easily look at pressures and pressures allowed look at little things like that because then that's going to indicate if they're going to be under pressure all right that means blitzes are going to be thrown underneath to tight ends to running backs aren't going to be on time but then if it's going to be something where you get time it's going to be some situation where you're throwing down the field so your normal threats are going to be there but also then you may indicate oh that if they're really good at run blocking though they're not even going to need to pass and throw so if you're a big favorite you're going to run so it just sort of there are certain areas that the entire game originates from and despite them not having numbers that are production numbers there are quantifiable metrics that you can follow to find these type of things but only a numbers freak like you yes. don't look into but it. Th- that's yeah. the thing that but you can start yeah. to look into them you can't tweet can, them out can we agree on can we agree on this? yes not 140 characters can we agree on this had connor williams been healthy the whole year not to say that this offense would have been one of the best in the big 12 all year because it clearly still had issues the staff would have been able quicker to identify their issues and would have made the move, let's say, to the two freshman backs earlier. Oh, yeah. Or Sam Ellinger earlier. They would have not, they would have had a quicker process to go to those other moves that we've seen made because Connor Williams would have solidified things more. Connor Williams gives you more margin for error. And if, yeah. uh, whether it be more on options. the offensive line, whether it be at the quarterback position. Um, our wide receivers because they'll have more time to get open and get separation. Mm-hmm. The reverberating butterfly effect of him being so dominant from what Dan right. Neal tells me, you're talking about a guy that may be the best old lineman in the history of Texas football. Like he's that Saying good. a lot. Like and, no, 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 no. That's kind of right. that's what kind of praise my man Dan Neal heaps upon him. You, if you're talking about that kind of player, then you're talking about a guy that literally can make. He made. We saw him make the offensive line better. We saw him make the running game better. We, you know the uh, wide receivers have more time to get open because the protection is better with him. Quarterbacks will play better. I mean, that's like that's that's, that's crazy to think right. that one guy can make everybody on that team better. But that's how damn good Connor Williams is. And I didn't real. I, I feel bad because as a football guy, I'm supposed to be able to explain how good he is too. But it's hard to quantify it, and I didn't realize he was that he was that impactful until I watched him in West Virginia, and I watched that old line all year without him, and then watched him with West, on the West Virginia yeah. game, and I was like, "Holy Chicago man, this dude is unreal. He's ready for the league right now." I don't know, you know what I mean? Like he's the he's the best tackle I might have seen in in college football right, part of that right too, now. Though, let's play devil's advocate though. Part of that too is we sat here and said that West Virginia three three five defense it's built for speed. It's not built for power because in this in this league, Rod, when you're a program like West Virginia and you can't recruit the talent, especially on a defensive line that a Texas or an Oklahoma can recruit, Very true. you almost have to pick your poison. Okay, are we just going to try to beef up and find as many big bodies as we can to stop the run, or are we going to build ourselves to defend the pass? We can't do both. we got to have one or the other. And that's that. kind of the route West Virginia's going. They've, they've, West Virginia's going to more of like kind of the Oklahoma State model of let's focus on speed, creating turnovers, more yep. opportunities for for our offense, we'll build our defense that way. So this was a defense that was built to be run on. They weren't that great against the run, and you just look. It's you don't even need to look at the numbers. Just look at the size differential up front. It'll be different this week against Texas Tech because Texas Tech has some bigger bodies in their defensive front. But 
all the conditions were right. And that's why I tip my hat to the coaches because when you looked at everything to deal with this game, your best chance to win was to, with a healthy Connor Williams and a healthy Sam Ellinger, was to run the damn football and run it until they stop it or whatever happens. Just maximize your ability to run the football, shorten the game, keep their offense on the field. And, again, I just tip my head to the coaches that they were able to do that. It was the yeah. it was the common sense approach to this game, Rod. And we, it was. That's been our, our – you and I, I think, are on the same page with the issues. It's it, You can talk about play calling all you want. Just common sense things that weren't done throughout the year. Yep. And this was a game where common sense prevailed. Yeah, uh, common sense and Connor Williams. <laughs> That's I wanna, the game in a nutshell. <laughs> I want to go back to the defense against West Virginia real quick just for this. You know, we talk about the play Brandon Jones made, but there were just plays made in that game by different guys. Jason Hall had a huge pass Jason breakup, Hall. blowing a guy up on yeah. a deep ball. Deshaun Elliott makes a great play coming over. And, and Todd Orlando said uh, in his press conference this week, mm. that wasn't even Deshaun Elliott's ball. That's yeah. just his vision, his instincts take yeah. over, that he can go make a play, and he went and made it. So you're getting continuing to get winning plays from this defense. And we can talk about Will Greer being out, and let's not pretend like that wasn't a huge reason why West Virginia But he was knocked out of the down. game. I mean, it was – But yeah. at the end of the day – they still got receivers that are really, really good. You still got to go cover them. You still got to go make plays. And Rod, this defense made plays no, all day long. Longhorn fans who uh, remember Colt McCoy getting knocked out of the national title game against Bama, you know, they used to always say, man, if Colt McCoy played, then Texas won that game. Very well, that could be true, but Bama's physicality knocked him out of that game. Yeah. The reason he got knocked out of the game is he was playing against the most physical football team in the country. Yeah, and, and the reason game was based on a quarterback. Yeah, and the, exactly. And the, <laughs> so the reason Real Grills knocked out of that game because Texas forced him out of his comfort zone, which is running, which is something he don't want to be doing. And Texas was hustling over, and if they don't hustle over, then he doesn't dive as hard, and he doesn't. You break his finger. Both happens on the goal line. Yeah, so I agree. I, I think you know. I, I understand. Wilger knocked out. It changes everything. But I, yeah, I, I think the offense uh, really did kind of play that game almost in a perfect manner that I would have predicted, considering the, the skill level that I have right. in this. Um, let's talk about Texas Tech because this is a Texas Tech team that's going to be desperate to get a W coming in here on Black Friday. That's right. Um, you know, they're five and six, two and six in the league. Cliff Kingsbury is probably coaching for his job if that hasn't already been decided yet. We, we were talking about this, Rod, before you got in the studio. Matt and I and, and Travis were talking about it. And it's one thing for like a program like Texas or Florida, one of the Blue Bloods, to have a, a coaching change where the mm-hmm. dollar figures might be big, but between your alums and the revenues you create, you should be able to pay for, for that coaching change. Yeah. Be able mm-hmm. to come up with the money for it. Man, you look at Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury – has a $6.8 million buyout yeah. that they owe him if they get rid of him. Plus, you look at the at the money you're going to have to pay the next head coach, plus the new staff. Man, for Texas Tech, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so you're really in between a rock and a hard place right now if you're Tech because if you do make a change, it's going to cost you a lot of money. And then you got to hire another guy. If you don't make a change, yeah. then what does your fan base think if you happen to go 5-7 and seven this year? Um. Uh, that's a that's good point. I, a fit. I think the Texas Tech fan base is still committed to Cliffy. I do. You think so? Yeah, I do. That means I, I okay. Would hope so he's it's we were like we were talking before. It's like if you they have a semi you know understanding of where they stand. Cliff's a guy that sort of yeah. loves the university's a good mind. Yeah, and, and sort I think of fits in. I think we all agree Cliffy's just missing that uh, he's missing his uh, coaching counterpart. He's missing his coaching soulmate. He's got to find that defensive guy like what Tom Tom Herman Todd Orlando. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you find that guy, like, all right, you know what? This is my side of the ball. That's your side of the ball. You do you. Uh, Sonny Cumbie and, uh, Patterson. You know, and Patterson. You know what I mean? You got to kind of find that guy. All right? And I think Cliffy has not found that guy. He needs to get out there and go hustle and go out there and find that guy. He might be at Utah State. Was, he might be at, you know what I mean? Mac I think David, somewhere his, out I think there. David yeah, you, has done a good job, though. Mac Brown fell in love with his guys so much. They, well, they've had issues recruiting on defense. Must and, champ. Give them the job. And just assigning scholarships to that side of the ball and trying to make things fit. So I think David gives it. They're playing better defense. I don't think I don't think defense is the, has been – I don't, I don't think you can just – So do you think he's out? 
I, I tend to think he's, he's out. Yeah. Oh, see, you think, I, you think I, Cliff he's gone? I think he's gone. I hope yeah. Texas beats Texas Tech so bad they fire Cliff Kingsbury and, and we can mistake. hire him as yes, OC. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that yeah. is my new we thing. We talked about that a couple yes. weeks ago. That's why that I was on pushing that. Beat him so damn bad, Tom Herman, that they fire him so you can hire him. Yes. <laughs> that's going to be your motivation, Tom. Just just beat him bad. Then we hire him. Come on, Cliffy. And you know Cliff is great as an offensive coordinator. And as he recruits quarterbacks, you know, he's a quarterback guru. As a head coach, maybe not so much. So I would take him. All day, every day is my OC. Tim Beck, I love you. See you later. We'll give you a golden parachute and everything. We're just come on, Cliffy. Up. You want to live in Austin, Texas, Cliffy? I know you want to live in ATX, and baby. I know about, you do. Talking about buyouts and talking about these big state universities, Texas, and you end up having tech. And what was it? Sumlin got his basically with that Cliff Kingsbury offense. Mm-hmm. And then tech gets him off of that offense. And then now you may have the whole state of Texas paying a buyout to two universities because the lack of oversight of hiring the wrong person. Now, you should have to pay for it if you make the bad decision of hiring a coach that it wasn't right for the job. And these coaches are just going to keep on getting them written in because that's the system. Just amazing that that one Johnny Manziel offense wow. make cost $40 million to the state of buyouts. Johnny. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Here's the, here's the deal, though. When you talk about Texas Tech, you talk about Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, he's an air raid guy, but, Rod, we've seen him evolve the air raid over the years. Oh, it's I not mean, the same it's not. kind of four mm-hmm. or five wide dink and dunk down no. the field. They've got a run game that goes with this thing now. They've yeah. got an elaborate screen game. So, And the thing you know about Texas Tech, and, and unless Nick Shimanek gets hurt, because, honestly, I couldn't even tell you who's the, who the backup quarterback at Texas Tech is Doesn't right matter. Some I, think guy. It's, I think it's Jet Duffy. I don't really know <laughs> for sure. But You know better than we do. But you you look at Texas Tech; they're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to yeah. to to get, you know, get bad numbers. But this was the most beautiful thing from Todd Orlando's press conference this week. I love this because this is what we talk about: like get a defensive coordinator that understands the league. Mm-hmm. Todd Orlando said the one thing he's learned about the Big Twelve: he's like, look, doesn't really matter how many yards you give up because you're going to give up yards. If you can be really good on third down, really good in the red zone, you're going to keep yourself in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah! Why didn't the previous regime like come to realize that that they're like, yeah. well, you know, you gotta adjust, blah blah blah. And no, it's just real simple. Be really good on focus on being really good on third down, being really good in the red zone, and at the end More of the day, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be in contention to win a lot of ball games. That's the big so, thing. So, I just look at this Texas Tech team, though, Rod. And aside from getting into the, the nuts and bolts of it, and we just don't have enough time on the show to to do that, but I just look at where they are as a team and. They've lost some close games. I just wonder where their confidence is right now at 5-6, and six, coming off of the kind of loss they had against TCU where they were able to move the ball, but TCU was really good in the red zone, held Texas Tech to three points. Um, I just wonder where this Tech team is. I, I just they're, – their psyche, I worry about it. The, the, do they play – we saw this Texas team late last year play kind of tight when you knew mm-hmm. things were on the line for your head coach. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't like where this Texas Tech team is at coming into this game from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, and, and we love where Texas is, oh, yeah. more mm-hmm. importantly, psychologically. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on there. I, I think – and I'm not that Texas can blow anybody out, but right. I think Texas may be in command of this game the entire time because Sam Elling is going to start the game, and you're talking about the, a physical football team. That's why guys against Texas, they get hurt, they go down because Texas plays a physical brand of football. They have been all year long, even when they lose games. Uh, that's kind of the antidote to Texas Tech and Cliff King's speed football. Right. Physicality. Sam's going to bring that. The defense, I agree with you. They're really good where you need to be good going up against a Cliff Kingsbury defense on third down in the red zone and forcing turnovers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the perfect storm for Texas. It's kind of weird. Like no, you said, you're for, right. For yeah. Texas, you figured out what your identity is and how you need to win these type of games. Extend the game, run the ball, yep. take the air out of it, play your physical brand of football, and, and make the offense press. And when they start pressing, if you can stop, Todd Orlando can stop the run and make them press, falls right into what he wants to do. Great. All right, we got to do some picks. We got to get our turkey day Picks going so, cool. so uh, Matt, go ahead and we'll go. Florida go. State, Florida. Who you got? Uh, give me Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah, all right. And I will go with Florida State, Bama, Auburn. Who you got? Bama. Yeah, give me Alabama. All right, Notre Bama. Dame. Stanford. I want to pick Auburn. Uh, Notre Dame. Give me Notre Dame. Yeah, Man, yeah. We're picking all the same teams. Kansas State, Iowa State. 
K-State. They just got the big win over Oklahoma State. That's Give me Iowa mean. State. Ah, there you go, Jeff. Nice. I'm going to go K-State. Then Texas right now, it's dropped down. It's a 10-point spread. Yeah, I'll take What's Texas. I'll take Texas. I actually might. If it's 10.5, I might take Texas. I might take Texas Tech to cover. Maybe like a 31-21 kind of game. Texas is 8-3 and three against the spread this year, man. Um, I'll take Texas to cover. I'll take Texas. Uh, 30 33, oh, that was a field goal. 34 to <laughs> 21. Could be two missed extra points. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good boy. <laughs> two two-point conversions. I was like, oh. I do realize my final score just included a field goal. Yes, well. I go Texas, 31-14. All right, I guess Iowa State's where I'm going to have to make a game back on you guys. All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at 1049thehornhornfm.com, AM1260, our lovely, our wonderful radio partner. And you can get this podcast each and every week on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. And thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, tune in, and any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.